Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Today, 12 more NFL roster moves that impact your life. Owners meetings going on right now tail end of free agency, draft season approaches. Hayden, that means loose lips among head coaches and general managers when yeah. the media sticks microphones in their face and always, always an avalanche of news in the NFL. And no more bigger than the Lamar Jackson saga that continues. So the timeline here, March 2nd, apparently Lamar Jackson requested a trade as he revealed today on Monday from the Ravens organization March 7th, they franchise tagged him. And then March 27th, he publicized that trade request. Let's hear from head coach John Harbaugh about this situation. Uh, I do. You know, you got you to gotta plan for all the contingencies for sure. But uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty fired up about Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson is a great player. Lamar uh, came back in great shape last year. He's fired up to play. Uh, that's the Lamar that I'm looking, for, looking forward to seeing. Can't wait to get back on the grass and go to work. And I'm confident that's going to happen. I don't have a, a, a gauge on that. You know, it's been, oh, it's been a while. I mean, you know, it's, it's going to have to be. It's just, a, like I said, it's a unique situation. Uh, but when we get back together, you know, and I'm, I'm really hopeful that that happens, and I, I'm, that's what I want to see, you know, it's going to be great. It's going to be good. They also said that they are still negotiating, Lamar and the Ravens, as of even last week. So uh, it was interesting that Lamar announced this literally, like, basically the exact same second Harbaugh sat to do his interview. So a little bit of, back and forth here but to be honest i don't think that this relation seems that spoiled to me i think that they're just going through these negotiations and this is how how it's going there's definitely some gamesmanship going on both sides here um but i still think that it's just going to be a lot to ask for another team to give lamar jackson the contract he wants plus the ravens not matching that uh and another team willing to give that contract and send multiple first round picks so I still think that's just going to get ugly and ugly and ugly. It's going to drag on. We might see some action right after the NFL draft now that the offer sheet matches can be for 24 and 25 first-round picks. But I still think that Lamar and the Ravens are just going to end up signing a contract eventually. Totally agree that all roads likely lean, lead back to Lamar Jackson playing for the Ravens in, in 2023. But that's not fun in terms of this conversation that we we're We can having. speculate. Can we maybe peel back the layers of what potentially could happen here yeah. uh, and why this happened at this moment. You mentioned it. I firmly believe it. It is the timing and really the only opportunity that Lamar Jackson had to perfectly coincidentally, some might say, as soon as, you know, his head coach sits down in front of microphones to reveal this. Now I feel like Lamar has to do that because he doesn't have an agent. He doesn't have representation. And as we know, the only time and the only way for him to get his message to the public is for him to publicly message everyone. Yep. Um, there's all this other layer of the NFL sending a memo out to all 32 teams saying like, Hey, you can't talk to Ken Francis, who is his business partner and representative weirdness. Anyways, 
Um, as you said, they are still negotiating. It doesn't seem totally spoiled. It just feels like as what happened as soon as the tag was delivered, teams aren't interested. Like we can speculate on the Colts end and say that Zach Kiefer beat writers. Oh, the possibility is still open. Mm-hmm. A few other teams, players pitching their organization to Lamar Jackson. But none of that is nearly as concrete as it should be for this to be an outcome that is possible. Yeah, the reason why I kind of speculated the Colts would be the team to do it is obviously they just traded Gilmore. They've cleared some cap space out. They have the fourth overall pick, which might be what the Ravens need in order to actually trade away Lamar Jackson. But Rap Sheet said it again today. He said teams don't want to do the work just for the Ravens to say we'll match that contract. And I think that's where the Ravens are with this is like worst case. We will do that unless something gets absolutely out of control, but we haven't seen any details with that. So uh, I guess like the only thing is that if this lingers on and Lamar Jackson doesn't want to sign the contract that the Ravens are offering and he doesn't want to play on that $32 million exclusive uh, or non-exclusive franchise tag, would he sit out? That's my risk right. for fantasy is. Would he levy on Bell this situation, which a exactly. quarterback has never done? Yes, uh, but the fact that they picked the cheaper franchise tag probably makes him less incentivized to go out there and play on it. But I think that was part of the Ravens calculation is, hey, that's going to be a negotiating power for our situation. Say, hey, you're not going to play for $32 million. Let's get this guaranteed money uh, right between our asking price and your asking price, and let's figure this thing out. So I I would still say it's 75, 80, 90% that the Ravens keep Lamar Jackson. I think that if I had to handicap a team, which team would do this i do think that the colts can get desperate uh we're still trying to figure out how much is the nfl like will levis and anthony richardson like it's definitely possible that the colts sit at fourth and they don't like either of them and now they have gardner Minshew, and all of a sudden they're looking to shake up this draft and maybe they go for lamar jackson but i just think it's just too many things would have to go perfect and the ravens would have to give up on him and the ravens don't want to give up on it like they are still sending contract offers to him some of it mostly guaranteed some of it in a different structure as well yep. and to your point yes in rapaport on television said the league belief is that the ravens would just match whatever contract lamar right. jackson accepts now also if a trade was to happen it doesn't have to be for the f- two first round picks um that obviously come across with a uh, non-exclusive franchise tag, right? So it's, did you see this Chris Mortensen tweet, by the way? The he illness? did say, yeah. no, one team was hesitant, re number of games and snaps and practices missed for Lamar Jackson in two of the last three years versus invested money. Quote, they also wonder whether his sleep habits and nutrition contribute to his absences. Nobody speaks ill of his character. Just weird stuff. This is a weird situation. And again, it comes back to, I think, at the core of it, there is no one that is able to speak for Lamar Jackson at this moment to the media. And so much of public perception comes through the media via agents, except for Lamar himself. And that's like working two full-time jobs. Yeah, it's probably the first time in sports history where an MVP asked for a trade and we didn't hear about that trade for three weeks, three yes. weeks. We just heard about it. Yeah. Also, by the way, that that signals to me that the Ravens are keeping this and they're trying for this thing not to spiral out of control because they obviously knew about it, but they didn't leak it out either. So like they're trying to keep this thing. And that's why I think that like Harbaugh, those comments that he was making earlier in the show, 
I believe them. Like, I think he's like genuinely wants Lamar Jackson. Everybody on the Ravens wants him and that they're just trying to figure out what exactly Lamar wants in these contract negotiations. And I think eventually Lamar is going to be like, okay, nobody has sent all this stuff out for all these uh, circumstances. And he's just going to have to either play on the franchise tag or take the Ravens best offer. Final note on this. And Brad Spielberger, obviously of, PFF does a fantastic job whenever all these crazy details come out and you hear different words that you've never heard in the vocabulary. Before. We have a show on the channel with him. Yes. Yes. Brad's the best. Um, quote, according to Article 9, Section 3H of the NFL Collective Bargaining Agreement, the Ravens cannot receive trade compensation of more than the CBA mandated two first round picks, which was for the franchise tag, which is another, again, interesting element of these trade conversations publicly and then on the frequently discussed escrow rule the colts or any team would not need to put any cash into escrow for a hypothetical lamar jackson contract until march of 2024 mm -hmm. so they have time to save up yeah so there's no excuse on that end it's really just like i i believe what rap sheet and Schefter and others have said is other teams think that the ravens are going to match it so why yep. even bother i i do think that's probably probably it Next up, San Francisco 49ers. Early move in free agency was this team signing Sam Darnold, which is intriguing for a player that has started like 19 games over the last two seasons for a team that also spent three first-round picks on Trey Lance and also uh, has an injured starting quarterback in Brock Purdy. Well, John Lynch revealed a few more comments at the owners' meetings. I think Brock has earned the right with the way he played that he's probably the leader in the clubhouse at that. You know, I'll let Kyle make those kind of decisions, but I know when we talk, I think Brock's probably earned that right to be the be the guy if we were to line up. He'd probably take that first snap. And um, we're really excited about where Trey is at with his uh, progress from his injury. Um, he's been working really hard and, um, you know, uh, love the opportunity to be able to bring in Sam Darnold and his skill set. We think it's a really good fit. And uh, so we like that. We like that room a lot. The second he starts talking about Trey Lance, that's when he starts reaching to his cup and starts messing around with that. Yeah, I've been uh, pretty optimistic on Trey Lance's ceiling case in fantasy. Uh, these comments make me far, far, far more skeptical. Uh, the leader in the clubhouse comment was very damning from John Lynch. Now, we still have to parlay a couple things out here. Number one, Brock Purdy. He can't throw football for another three months. And then he's a race to week one. In the meantime, Trey Lance is going to be probably starting over Sam Darnold, I would guess. But maybe maybe I'm even wrong with that. But in training camp uh, and, and OTAs and all that stuff, Trey Lance will be trying and competing for this job. And then Brock Purdy will come in basically once week one starts. Um, just real quick, Rap Sheet had a 45-second report right after these comments. In them, he didn't mention Trey Lance's name a single time he talked about Sam Darnold going in there and competing. He talked about, of course, Brock Purdy would be the number one. So I don't know if they're, if the 49ers starting to leak some things out, but this was like today with like, he did not have to say this at all. Like he could just say, everyone's competing for this. He chose to do that. I'm very curious what Kyle Shanahan is going to say this week too. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan speaks tomorrow and we could get one of those disclaimers of, Hey, no one is guaranteed to see tomorrow morning uh, out of Kyle Shanahan. He could go out there and say, Trey Lance is our starter. Like we have no clue yeah, what he yeah. might say. Right. Um, but when we did do that reaction of Sam Darnold, I had my Brian Windhorse like mm -hmm. sirens going off where it really wouldn't make sense for someone like Sam to just be a camp arm. Um, 
And that depending on, you know, who you listen to, either players or people who cover the team, that like it was Brock Purdy's job. It, it's been and when you have a situation when dating back to last year, three different starters playing um, sirens go off in these scenarios. It's, it's a one of a kind situation that we have across the league at this moment. And to your point, John Lynch did not have to say this right now. No, like Brock, the projection is week one. That returns to practice. Now, maybe they are more optimistic than that, and it's sometime in training camp. Right. I think there's a few ways you can read into this. One, no matter what. I mean, it would be shocking on the first day of OTAs if Sam Darnold was taking snaps ahead of Trey Lance. So yeah. this gives you – because Trey Lance is going to be ready for OTAs. It gives Trey Lance an opportunity to work really hard, and maybe they're suggesting – work a little bit harder and be more prepared during OTAs, during training camp, summer sessions, preseason games, so on and so forth, that this might be a little push in that direction. But I truly do feel like if he falters, if he doesn't um, meet whatever expectations, and it's difficult to even know what those are outwardly at this moment, that the team honestly is probably pretty fine with Sam Darnold being their second quarterback mm-hmm. and Brock Purdy when returning, whether that's three weeks in the season, maybe Trey Lance gets those three weeks or Sam Darnold gets those three weeks for Darnold to be the second guy and Brock to be the first. Yeah. And then if that is the case, what do you do with Trey Lance right now? If, if you can, if you trade him right now, they would be eating $2 million to trade him away. If they make a trade after June 1st, which I think is the more likely situation. They got to get through training camp and all that fun stuff. They would save $4 million. So that's one option. Uh, I, I, I do think that the option that you just laid out where maybe they give Trey Lance the first couple weeks and in-season games to see what he's like, uh, hide behind injury with the Brock Purdy thing. And then once Brock Purdy is like actually ready to go, if Trey Lance is struggling, then they can bring Brock Purdy in. And then Sam Darnold's somewhere in the mix too. Sam Darnold's his contract can't be traded if, if they do feel comfortable with Lance uh, and Purdy once the season starts, but all three of these guys are going to be on the roster like week four. Do you think like no. some, somebody's got to move or somebody's going to be extremely disappointed? I think the only way all three are on the roster is if Brock Purdy injured and his injury yeah. has lingered longer than they, right. if he is able to practice and play all three of these guys are not on the roster. Um, yeah. So fascinating, you know, a year ago at this time, the entire organization had shoved their chips into Trey Lance's corner. Mm-hmm. The whole offseason rode on him. And it made sense after, you know, the three first round pick investment. And look, I, I'm still optimistic about Trey Lance. Like my comments in the previous video and this video don't go against that. We like haven't seen him play. You know, the two games as a rookie that he started were quite different. And I saw improvement in the second one. Then this past season, he started a monsoon game against the Chicago Bears and then got hurt in a second contest. Like we literally haven't seen it. So part of me wonders, and I'm not like trying to suggest anything, but like if behind the scenes, they are just less certain of his ability that they thought that he had and really loved what Brock Purdy put out there, which is different than Jimmy. Like I've said this constantly, like just the little movements that Brock Purdy gave you outside of structure added something I thought to this team and his willingness to go a bit vertical, even though Jimmy showed that a bit more often last season, like it based on this comment. And let's say Kyle reiterates something of the sort in house. There is full belief behind Brock Purdy and far less so about the man that they have three first round picks invested in and trailing. 
it's crazy. Yeah, he's got training camp basically to prove himself from there. Um, for fantasy purposes, just real quick, Josh, I'm pulling up the quarterback uh, ADP on underdog right now. Trey Lance is currently the quarterback 14, just going ahead of Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Kyler Murray, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Jordan Love. I think that his ADP is going to fall off this news, and I think oh, it yeah. should. Um, would you rather have him versus Jordan Love, CJ Stroud, Matthew Stafford, Kenny Pickett? Like, how far down is he going to go? Would you rather have him or Mac Jones? Like, I think that he's probably going to go from uh, quarterback 14 down to about quarterback 21. ADP probably drops 50 spots, and then Brock Purdy goes from undrafted to drafted. Do you think that's about fair? Yeah. I think that's definitely fair. I don't, it shouldn't go all the way down to like Sam Howell territory. No, no, no. And still, even we are playing for best ball and you still have to get upper echelon outcomes to win these tournaments. So I still think you should have some, uh, you should at least leave the light on for Trey Lance, but the median outcomes here, I think definitely drops. from. Today. It's never a calm off season of quarterbacks on the 49. It's crazy. It's wild. Like now you're hoping that Brock Purdy comes back healthy in the timeline or ahead of the timeline that you have in your head or, and you're hoping that Trey Lance shows continued development or doesn't get injured and all that stuff. And you're hoping that like Sam Darnold once again is able to be elevated by the scheme of Kyle Shanahan. And it's so obvious that Kyle loved Sam Darnold coming out of school based Mm -hmm. on all of this stuff. Um, Yeah. It's so strange, man. This, this makes (laughs) Someone's got to get moved. You can't keep all three of them. So I, I do wonder, I, I'm guessing they're hoping Trey Lance goes out there and dominates and he has the highest ceiling of these three and then they can bring Brock Purdy in and, and back him up and have a really good insurance option. And maybe they ship Sam Darnold out like right before week one. But I don't think that they know what's going to happen here. So I think us trying to speculate is like very and so often. Yeah. And so often you hear that like, well, if a general manager and head coach get the quarterback decision wrong, like they're out of a job. Maybe it's a little bit of a testament to how good Kyle is at his job where mm-hmm. they continue to win despite all these situations, but like they could have also potentially, yeah. and maybe they still ha- will have, and it proves true, pick the right guy at yeah. quarterback. It's I'm a pretty believer. We know where you are. You're a big hater. So big hater uh, with him. Yeah. Just like going back to kind of like the whole trade up and stuff like this is going to, if he completely busts and doesn't have anything, this will be one of the all timers. It's not just because it, it was drafted third overall. You traded all those draft picks. And it's not like you traded away uh, just like draft picks on a team that wasn't competing. Like this was like a Super Bowl window, window. team right yep. there. Like they went all in and they could get nothing. It seems like something's up. I, I can't figure it out. Next up, the New York Jets have traded away Elijah Moore to the Cleveland Browns. The Jets move up from pick 74 to 42. And in exchange, the Cleveland Browns receive Elijah Moore. Um, This team already has pick 43. Hayden, um, this is the same Elijah Moore who requested a trade last year because he burned bridges with his quarterback, Zach Wilson at the time. Uh, Maybe even offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur at the time. There's a clear falling out with all of that. this is fascinating because we hear so much about how difficult it is to find young receivers. And this isn't even for a straight second round pick. It's for 32 positions to move up in the draft, which depending on what chart you look at is even to a fourth or fifth round draft pick that they gave up for Elijah Moore. Yeah. I would call this basically for a fourth round pick. So then you're looking at like, would you rather have Jaden Reed or Elijah Moore? And in this draft class, I would be comfortable saying, 
he would be my wide receiver three in this draft class, just because we've seen the upside case as a rookie last year. It was a disaster, but it was also like uh, Bill Barnwell had on the screen there, the splits between uh, throwing from Zach Wilson and from everybody else are pretty drastic. And I think he's a perfect scheme fit with the Browns. This was one of my favorite moves of the entire off season uh, by the Browns here because they're going to use a bunch more three wide receiver sets. And this is something I was going to be saving for like a bold prediction show. But I think that the the Browns have way more upside from the passing game that people are expecting. Yeah. They do not have to be slow pace and run heavy like they have been in the past. Their running back room is definitely depleted. They have Deshaun Watson, who's a massive upgrade over the rest of these guys, if he can bounce back at all. And now they have three wide receivers, and Elijah Moore is just going to sit down in the slot. So I think there's bounce back appeal from Elijah Moore. I do think he is good. He was good in college. He was good as a, a rookie. Last year was a stone-cold disaster. But even... After this trade, they asked Salah about it, and he was like, we have to do some self-reflecting about what went wrong here because we know that he's very talented. So to me, this is not about his on-field talent. Uh, I think there was something other than the on-the-field stuff that was going on here, and the Jets have to do some self-reflecting, like Salah said. And we know that the Jets obviously brought in Garrett Wilson. We'll get to Miko Hardman in a little bit. And obviously they brought in Al Lazard on top of that. Maybe a few more names. Odell still drifting out there. And mm-hmm. who knows what a Randall Cobb situation could look like in the future. Connor Rogers over at Badlands with Joe Caparoso. Great podcast just for Jets focused stuff. Hypothesized that, you know, getting pick 42 was really imperative for Joe Douglas because the team really doesn't have a starting center on the roster right now. They're like, feeling out Ben Jones, but he's had so many injuries with the Tennessee Titans that maybe in the early second round, that has been the area where Joe Douglas is targeting that position to have five starters along the offensive line. And maybe the Packers are asking for pick 43 and maybe now pick 42 and they don't have to give up both. And maybe it's just one. Yeah. I still don't think that's a good enough excuse because you can get uh, that pick, but also get more just like to me, the, the talent and where, where, what they traded for, basically, does not make sense. Those things could be true, but you can also just get better value than what you got. And the second part is there was a report that they weren't trying to ship Elijah Moore out. The second that they added uh, McCole Hardman, then a bunch of teams came calling, and then they traded up. So why didn't you just trade away Elijah Moore when you still had leverage because you hadn't signed a player that's basically going to be playing a very similar role inside the slot? Uh, with McCall Hardman, why not trade away Elijah Moore, get more from him? Everyone's yeah. calling about all these other wide receivers. He, to me, belongs kind of in that same tier as like Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, and then sign McCall Hardman. Why did you do it in this order? It doesn't make any sense to me. Especially when Elijah Moore, during last season, publicly requested a trade and said, I'm done with this place. And they yeah. said, absolutely not. You're too valuable here. Again, what changed in about three to four to five months other than the interest in Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers and then you know the rest of Elijah Moore's season? I'm with you on the Jets end of this, like more compensation was definitely necessary. That's our current belief in what Elijah Moore is, despite as you saw, maybe the total numbers aren't great in terms of efficiency. But again, when you section them out with every other quarterback, not named Zach Wilson, they are much better. Um, Maybe there's blame for the Jets and maybe not, like maybe Elijah Moore doesn't turn into what we expect. But like you said, I think there's maybe more blame across the league and I'm just playing armchair GM here, but like, the Panthers dropping from 39 to uh, 74. Like, yeah. I would have done that too. Yeah. You know? 100%. To, to get Elijah Moore on the roster, who still has yeah. two more years on a rookie deal and add someone with that type of 
um, explosiveness and ability with the ball in his hands that's played on the outside, that's that's played on the inside, because we've been doing these wide receiver videos kind of slim pickings this year. I mean, I, I hate to bring it up, but like our Zay Flowers thing, similar-ish body types, but I like Elijah Moore. He was more productive, younger, and did this in the NFL. And we're gonna somebody's gonna draft Zay Joe or Zay Flowers 24th overall or something like that. I would much rather do this pick swap for Elijah Moore, who also is still cost controlled, unlike Cortland Sutton, some of these other Brandon Cooks who cost a lot of money. He's making like two million dollars for the next couple of years. So yeah, this was a absolute steal. And this kind of just goes into this jets off season where they seem they're like simping so hard for aaron Rodgers, and i understand why but like at some point like you have to either just get it over with and do it or everything else is kind of just splintering away and that one might drag 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 yeah. out uh you mentioned the browns it's a much different offensive dynamic and identity that they'll probably have this year whereas with baker with jacoby it was hey let's not turn the football over build up our offensive line run the football now, it's Amari Cooper that you got for a fifth-round pick last yeah. offseason. Elijah Moore, which you got for maybe a fourth-round pick. Yeah, Donovan Peoples-Jones as your third wide receiver, plus Marquise Goodwin that you brought in, who had a really fine season last year for the Seattle Seahawks, plus David Njoku, who's one of the best emerging tight ends in the league. Still have Nick Chubb back there, who's arguably the best pure runner in the league. Uh, Jerome Ford, who I think people should really be paying attention to in best ball drafts as potentially their number one backup at that spot. Again, with Deshaun Watson, who played awful last season, I would expect them to average closer to 38 passing attempts per game versus the 24, 28 yeah. passing attempts per game that they had with Baker and Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, like in like the eighth, ninth, tenth round, you can go like Deshaun Ninjoku and Elijah Moore, and that's there's a lot of upside. I mean, go back to Kevin Stefanski. He comes from like the Minnesotans, like they weren't like a super balanced attack and stuff. Like he's he's not afraid to let this thing rip, and I think that was the plan all along. And I think that people will be surprised by how much they pass the ball. Their defense, not that great to me. Well, and they tried to get better. Like last year, we talked about it constantly. They just wanted those upfield penetrating types of defensive tackle, and they like finally went and addressed that spot with Dalvin Tomlinson. Obviously, mm -hmm. Obo Okoronkwo is a really nice pass rusher to be opposite and so different than what Jadavion Clowney is. Like, he's actually a legit fluid pass rusher versus the run stuffer, steamroller yeah. that Clowney is. It's going to be an interesting team. Juan Thornhill as well. Like, I, I think the Browns realize this is a window, a real window. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and just quickly, Elijah Moore's dot was 11.86 and 21% of his career targets have been 20 or more air yards. Like there's a lot of verticality to this team. We've talked about with David yeah. and Joku, Amari Cooper still has that ability. Donovan Peoples Jones is a great athlete too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those guys can, I mean, and Joku's I think a great example of this guy that can take a screen a long way. Elijah yep. Moore is the same way. Yeah. And then adding these types of pieces, it's going to be really fun to watch. Hopefully. I think his ADOT's going to drop a lot just because Amari and DPJ are, could could really stretch and he can be working underneath. And that's like going back to his college film. Remember, he was like in the backfield, jet sweeps, yeah. all that stuff. I We didn't see any of that last year. I wonder if we're going to get some of that schemed up stuff back to him. All right. On the opposite end of this, we mentioned that this kind of dovetailed with Miko Hardman signing with the New York Jets. Just a one-year, $6.5 million deal. I know a lot of people expected longer term contracts, more money on top of this. It also was published that Miko Hardman had pelvis surgery. He's about three weeks out of that operation. 
as of now, Hayden Corey Davis also still remains in the roster. But I think what we can at least picture finally, whenever this ends, is a three wide receiver room of Garrett Wilson, Al Nazard, and Miko Hardman doing a bunch of funky stuff. Uh, and then Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Is that better than last year's three wide receiver set? Oh, interesting. I mean, Corey Davis, Al Mazard, I think are fairly similar here. And then McCall Hardman versus Elijah Moore. I'd rather have Elijah Moore. But yeah, I'm with you. Corey Davis uh, is tradable, but most likely just their team's probably just waiting for Corey Davis to get released. Uh, maybe the Packers want him. They do have a void in that role. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't have very much optimism for McCall Hardman in fantasy. If he wasn't going to get it done with Patrick Mahomes and some of these wide receiver uh, depth charts, I don't see him going into learning every single detail about Aaron Rodgers, who's more meticulous than than Patrick Mahomes is on the field. So uh, I think it's going to be Alan Lazard and uh, Garrett Wilson here. My constant thought with Miko Hardman is what you're seeing right now on the screen is that he's so much better laterally than trying to win on breaking routes down the field. And he actually was a key piece to Andy Reid's inside the 10 red zone offense, right? In terms of, as we saw in the Super Bowl, even though he missed, um, working the motion and the jet sweeps and all that action because he is so fast laterally. I just always struggled with him doing actual wide receiver stuff um, that you almost do have to manufacture half of his touches per yeah. game in order for him to get that effectiveness. But he does some special stuff with the ball in his hands. Yes, I also think that Garrett Wilson is like a freak yards after the catch guy as well. It's very slippery and stuff. And I think all of those like Devontae Adams bubbles and quick yeah. throws and stuff are going to go straight to him. And then Brees Hall is very good in the screen game. And once they get down to the three-yard line, yes, Andy Reid would flip the ball to McCole Hardman. But I think that this offense is just going to hand the ball off to Brees Hall. So I, I don't really have any interest with him. It was not a good landing spot in my opinion for him. I, I think we're going to see a ton of the – Devonte Adams red zone work go to Garrett Wilson like isolated and that's just such a win for mm -hmm. fantasy football like in mm -hmm. that area of the field the high value targets so I'm I'm really obviously all mm -hmm. aboard the Garrett Wilson bandwagon in 2023 now that McCole Hardman left is, what do you think the Chiefs are going to do at, at wide receiver good question because they also lost Juju um this could be, we're hearing some big names like DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if that's really the chief style at yeah. the moment. Um, it makes MVS sticking on the roster seemingly very important and mm -hmm. likely to happen. And I'm still going by the James Palmer report of Kadarius Tony being this team's wide receiver one. Uh, I, I bet they invest in the draft, but man, picking at 31 overall, you have no idea what's going to be on the board there. And yeah. so many of these wide receivers are undersized, which is fine with them. They don't want that like true X body that they have to have. Um, not to say that they don't want it. They don't have to have it. I guess. Yeah. Cause right Travis Kelsey can line up in Correct. isolation. Um, um, I don't yeah. really have an answer for you. Like, I feel like they can utilize a player strengths to their advantage and they aren't looking for like a certain archetype of a player. Yeah. I think wide receivers definitely in play at 31. I think like that's like the Jalen Hyatt type of territory. Maybe if Zay flowers drops, um, I think the top three wide receivers are going to be gone by that point. So yeah, I, I don't, I think they're going to ask sky Moore to kind of play some of the juju role. And I think they're going to try to get Kadarius Tony involved in ways we haven't seen really from this offense. And then MVS is going to be out there and then probably some either veteran 
uh, like Corey Davis gets gets released and they sign him, something like that. But I think it's going to be a pretty underwhelming wide receiver group. And then Patrick Mahomes probably going to win MVP again. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And they couldn't have been in like the Elijah Moore sweepstakes per se, um, because dropping from like 63 to 74 isn't that big of a jump. Mm-hmm. But that I wonder if they would have given up time. like 63 overall. But at the same time, I bet Joe Douglas wouldn't have wanted to trade Elijah Moore to the Kansas City Chiefs when he thinks they're going to compete in the Super Bowl. Or I should say in the AFC playoffs this season. I, I can I'm leaving out some hope for DeAndre Hopkins. I can see like a, a fourth round pick. He takes a pay cut. He wants to go win a, a ring, something like that. And the Cardinals are just desperate. Just please take him. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series. And when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals underdog. More wide receiver trades. Brandon Cooks traded to the Dallas Cowboys for a 2023 fifth rounder and a 2024 sixth rounder. Again, the Cowboys got just a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper last all season. No guaranteed money left in his deal at the time. It was also reported that Houston Texans will take on $6 million of Brandon Cooks' $18 million salary in 2023. Thoughts? I think this is exactly what the Cowboys offense needed. CD lamb can go win vertically on occasion. We have seen them, seen him do that, but Michael Gallup, he's always tasked with the hardest route. He's going to be on the line of scrimmage, seeing cornerback ones out on the perimeter and they needed a speed guy. And like, they had that with Noah Brown for a little bit, but Brandon cooks, I think is a really good player in that role. And uh, I think it was a pretty good landing spot for Brandon cooks. I would rather have Brandon cooks than Michael Gallup straight up in fantasy. Certainly, um, he can still play, man. Brandon Cooks, uh, his like yards per route run has stayed pretty solid uh, throughout his career. He's been to a million different offenses, like like we've talked about. But I think this is a, what the Cowboys needed. Doesn't have to be a number one wide receiver. He can kind of transition into this deep threat uh, role where he can be seeing seven targets per game instead of like the nine. Brandon Cooks has never been a free agent. Um, Wild. It's a pretty insane story for. Player that is 30 years old at this time and played for one, two, three, four, five, and this will be his sixth team. No, I should say fifth team. Um, I think he's the only person to ever be traded five times in the NFL. Not a career. Um, to your point, Brandon Cooks was 15th in yards per route run, 20 or more yards behind beyond the line of scrimmage last year. Uh, and Dak had, I think, a career low and 20-plus yard attempts last season at just 10.9%. Maybe Michael Gallup improves a little bit. They obviously paid him, but things were looking good prior to his injury, but it felt like last year just never – it was never right. You know, he looked a bit slower. He wasn't winning contested as much. It just wasn't right, and that's why, you know, when T.Y. Hilton went in there, like he was the one that had the most juice left, obviously, Mm -hmm. other than C.D. Lamb at the wide receiver spot. 
Yep. And this doesn't really move CD Lamb down. Maybe just a, a, no. a tinker. Uh, just because I am a little bit concerned that the Cowboys, their pass volume just goes from like elite levels down to like ninth best. And that's a pretty wide gap. And it's going to be hard for CD Lamb to kind of overcome that. The Panthers traded away DJ Moore in the deal to get up to number one. And since they have signed two wide receivers, the first is Adam Thielen on a quote unquote three year, $25 million deal, but really it goes down to about two years, $14 million. Yep. And then also DJ Chark to a one year, $5 million deal with a bunch of void years on top of it. Whenever I see teams do void years, and I don't think the Panthers have really done it that often with that many people in the past, especially for a dude just on a one-year $5 million contract, it's like, hey, we know that this is important. Mm -hmm. And again, we've talked about slim pickings across all of the wide receiver spot all offseason. This isn't the worst duo, I think, to bring in with a rookie quarterback. The Thielen money was pretty bad, but I think that you can get a starting season out of him for one more year. Now, I will say with Adam Thielen, two. Hit, hit, yeah, they're paying for two, and his yards per route run has declined in six straight seasons. Yep. It bought him out last year at 1.1, which is like hanging on for starting status. Uh, meanwhile, yards per route run, DJ Sharks at 1.5, and he's been at that pace in a bunch of different offenses. That's what his career was. That's what he was last year as well, so... You and I always talk about follow the money. I'm going to go against my words here. I'm going to say you want DJ Shark, not Adam Thielen, uh, despite the money difference. Uh, I think the $5 million guaranteed is good enough for, for DJ Shark, uh, who's 27, versus Adam Thielen, who's going to be 33 years old. So straight up, I would rather have DJ Shark. I think it's a, a very good landing spot for DJ Shark, all things considered. Um, I think that Adam Thielen is going to be in there as a mentor role. They have basically one or two more picks. You remember how they said we want sexy picks? Yes. They have 39th overall and they have 93rd overall. The 39th overall player, it's going to be like Josh Downs, who would actually be a great fit as a slot receiver. Uh, now we're looking for slot receivers, not necessarily outside players. I think those are great points. And we know one of those picks almost certainly will not be a running back after Miles Sanders contract. And now that locks him in as the three down runner over the next two seasons. I'm with you on Adam Thielen. I've seen a pretty drastic decline over the last few years, but what a story he was early on in his career, like being a local camp guy to emerging, not just as a special teamer, but obviously as a legit wide receiver. As weird as it sounds, and I know you hate when I go down like this narrative street and the feelings of oh, it I all. It. Come on. Um, I do think part of the reason why this is made is like to bring some veteran presence Have on to. offense. Have to. And, you know, it's a room of a bunch of former players and especially quarterbacks and running backs and so on and so forth. But I think Adam Thielen is like the guy that will bring instant respect to that wide receiver room and probably the entire offense from the get go. And like you probably need to surround your rookie quarterback with a bunch of those types. Brian I will Hoyer. say what I brought up with DJ Chark when he was out there in free agency, our buddy Matt Harmon, I'm going on a show tomorrow believes that like DJ Chark basically doesn't have the juice that he has or used to have. Mm. And going back and watching these highlights that you can see on the screen with the Lions, I totally agree. Uh, I'm a bit worried. I went back and watched his huge season with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it was hilarious because it was all, I'm not going to say broken plays, but like single high coverages, just all vertical shots, and it was just over and over and over again, 20-plus yard receptions. And that can be difficult to succeed with, every single year because coverages change once a receiver does that well. And then on top of that, he got injured. Now he's still a vertical receiver, but a lot of it is just ball tracking and winning contested. Um, I don't really think that he's ever going to be a player that we see like a really good three-year deal come in anymore on. 
Uh, I think what he's already 26 or 27 years old. Um, yeah, I'm a little nervous that he and Terrace Marshall have similar skill sets now as like contested catch sideline or middle of the field, depending on the coverage, uh, go up and get it one-on-one situation stuff. But again, when searching to fill out a wide receiver room with guys that have experience and production in their past, you could do worse than TJ Chark. I just don't think we're ever going to see that same or chase that 1,000-yard season that we saw in his past. The counters would be Adam Thielen's also been dealing with some injuries, and he has pretty high odds of maintaining or having an injury this year because of his age. And DJ Shark last year was coming back from a high ankle sprain and only missed a couple games. So he could have been battling through this and looked worse than he has. It wasn't like some like long-term injury with the ankle. So that'd be the optimist, optimistic lanes. Somebody's catching passes in this offense. And I don't think it's LaVisca. I really don't think it's Terrace Marshall. I think right now by default, it's, it's DJ Shark. Yeah. I've seen some people get optimistic about LaVisca Chenault. I believe just four of his receptions last year were beyond the line of scrimmage. So he's not a wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> I think is the easiest way. Of Can't you just see Josh Downs way. coming in here and seeing yeah. like 120 targets and like it's and for filling like in role for yeah. CJ Stroud that he had yeah. and just tons of option routes and winning after the catch. And yeah, yeah. If they bring in a rookie, that is probably the one I'll be targeting of, mm-hmm. of this group. Um, Deontay Hardy was an interesting name in free agency and early on in free agency for the Buffalo Bills. Um, It was initially reported as a two-year $9.5 million deal, but when you look at over the cap, it's really effectively a one-year $5 million contract. If all of you are asking who Deontay Hardy is, it used to be Deontay Harris with the New Orleans Saints, five foot six, 170 pounds. To you, what does the signing say? He is a very good returner, so that's his. That's why they probably paid him that well, and he's going to compete in the slot against Khalil Shakur, plus possibly somebody else that they bring in here. Uh, Steph Diggs can go win in the slot. Uh, Gabe Davis, on a very, very occasion, can go win in the slot as well. So I don't think he's going to be a full-time player, but he's kind of like a better version of what we were hoping for with Isaiah McKenzie, right? Yeah, I think that's perfectly said. I still believe, even if they don't want to say it, that they are disappointed in how Gabriel Davis's season went last year yes. uh, because there is no consistency from anyone in that pass catching group other than Stefan Diggs. And yes, we outlined it constantly during last season that Gabriel Davis was dealing from the start. It felt like with an ankle injury or some type of injury and never got right. But this offense just took step backs last year while still putting way too much on the shoulders of Josh Allen. And I don't think that they're done adding mm-hmm. like I think that maybe they could be in the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes and Hardy is just one of these players that has juice like he has speed and a lot of it are on these vertical patterns that just getting behind the defense and stretching things out but as you just saw in the clip some of it is also his punt return and kick return skills coming out in fruition on drags or underneath patterns catching it and running it I think that they just realized that hey life can be difficult when you put so much on your quarterback to not just throw the ball, but also run the ball and take a bunch of hits and have those drives go 11, 12, 13 Mm -hmm. plays that we need someone that can make four to five play drives. And Deontay Hardy is one pathway to doing that. In the combine quotes video, they talked about that. They just want yards after the catch guys. And that's exactly what he is. Uh, One fit just in the first round, Jalen Hyatt, I think this would be like kind of the highest he would get drafted. 
but I can see him vertical role can play the slot. Definitely had some yards after the catch appeal. He uh, could belong in this offense as well. This is three wide receiver set offense. They're going to be looking for lots of wide receiver depth. They've already talked about having a legit number four receiver. I think that Hardy is going to be kind of right in the middle of that. Let's also talk about Damian Harris to the Bills. One-year contract. Damian Harris is bound to score touchdowns for someone. And I'm so glad that it's going to be the Buffalo Bills. Now, what we've always talked about in the past, Hayden, with this Bills team is Josh Allen owns, has a large market share of the team's carries inside of the 10-yard line. Last year, it was 15. That was good for 38.5% of the team's rushing touchdowns inside the 10. Uh, Excuse me rush attempts, and then five touchdowns. Um, Devin Singletary had two more opportunities inside of the 10-yard line, so 17, and had four rushing scores off of those. If you read between the lines a little bit about what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have since said is they don't want pretty much what happened to Cam Newton to happen to Josh Allen, and James Cook's not the one that's going to get those tough yards. It's certainly not going to be Naeem Hines. I am already, and this is not surprising to anyone, wildly optimistic about what Damon Harris can do with this team next year. Yeah, definitely. I think there's some touchdown upside here. James Cook had zero carries inside the five yard line. He was not supposed to be that guy coming out of college. We should not expect him to do that. That that would be Damian Harris's job last year. Devin Singletary. He was the running back 40 per game and better in best ball points. James Cook was the running back 62. I think that Damian Harris is kind of right in the middle of that. He's not going to catch as many passes as Singletary did because Singletary played a lot because of pass protection. Uh, Damian's kind of gone back and forth in that department. Um, But I do think that maybe a little bit of the pie from the rushing touchdowns could go to running back position more to Damian than we've seen with with Devin Singletary. So at the end of the day, they just needed like, all right, if they're going to be in cover two all day, the – Bills needed to line up under center and run the ball on occasion. And they did not threaten anybody with that the last couple of years. Now they have the ability to do that with Damian. I should say my optimism is connected to seemingly everyone's pessimism about Damian Harris as a player. Like I feel like he was one of the more underappreciated runners over the last three off seasons. And then he goes and leads what the NFL in rushing touchdowns just a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, yeah, to your point, inside the five-yard line, Josh Allen had four rushing touchdowns and Devin Singletary had two. And maybe they just throw less in that area of the field and maybe the quarterback just runs less as well. Yep. So, I mean, I this is a pretty easy bet to make. Damian Harris is going to have more inside the five-yard line rushing touchdowns than Devin Singletary had last year. And as you said, he wound up as running back 40. Um, I could see easily a running back 30s outcome for Damian Harris and heck maybe all the way up to like running back 29. We'll look at points per game by the end of the season. Like James Cook is a good player. And I think like they want someone in that role to always be catching passes. They chased it for two off seasons, but it never felt like that they were ever comfortable during James Cook's rookie rookie season to give it over to him. And he also doesn't play special teams on top of it. So really feel like they've been searching for a DH style of player and they got one. I'm not convinced that James cook is all that good to be honest. Okay. And they didn't trust him. Like you said, and I don't think that Josh Allen is just going to be throwing the ball to James cook very often. So I really don't understand the James cook price tag on underdog. It's, it's way too rich for me. I, this is like a full PPR bro, uh, pick, uh, for people that don't want to draft the position, but this is, this is half PPR baby. Yep, and we care about touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Who's more likely to score touchdowns inside the 10-yard line? I'll be ranking Damian ahead of James Cook on my next update. 
You mentioned Devin Singletary's name. Let's talk about him. He is joining Damian Pierce in Houston. What I took from this is this keeps the high value touches for Damian Pierce on a better team this year. You know, like last year, the only way he was relevant was that he had to break an absurd number of tackles, which he did, and get huge volume, which he did for stretches of games, right? But if the Texans improve this year, which they've kept Laramie Tunsil, they have Titus Howard at right tackle. Hopefully, you know, their second year guard and Kenyon Green takes a step forward. They have a much better quarterback play, hopefully this year and whatever quarterback that they draft. Um, if it's a better team, then that means, you know, more touchdowns, as long as that's not Anthony Richardson as the quarterback and rushing for those scores. So like, while this certainly will take some opportunities away from Damian Pierce, again, I think we might get more six point opportunities for him to at least score touchdowns. We knew Damian Pierce would get more competition. I think if it's just Devin Singletary, that's basically kind of the baseline we were expecting on how much competition. Uh, like I said, Devin Singletary was fourth in pass uh, protection snaps last year. I think that he can play on passing downs. Is what he kind of did in Buffalo Buffalo on spurts. Uh, $3 million, a little bit more money than some of these other running backs have gotten. So that uh, means a little bit something to me. But my fear is, and I think a lot of people have taken the like, oh, Devin Singletary is actually good for, for Damian Pierce outlook, which I agree. The problem, though, is the Texans have the 12th, 33rd, 65th, 73rd, yeah. 104th, 161st overall draft picks. If it's Devin Singletary and Devin A-Chain with that 73rd overall pick, now we're in big, 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 big trouble here. So I think that nobody should be making victory laps or pessimistic laps with Damian Pierce yet. This was block number one. If there's another block, we're in trouble. If there's no other block, then he's fine where he's being drafted. I like that. Deontay Foreman has joined the Chicago Bears. We know De David Montgomery is now in Detroit. That means Deontay Foreman jumps in to be the running mate with Cleo Herbert. I know as soon as DeMont left, a lot of people got really excited about Cleo Herbert shares. We think Cleo Herbert is a really good player, even though last year with the same coaching staff, they always went for the two for one approach, basically with Dave Montgomery getting two, Cleo Herbert getting one and Deontay Foreman, as we've talked about, and I'll bring up the stats here in a moment, uh, had a handful of games where he just dominated because he was running behind a great offensive line. And that was the entire game plan. This one's like a rare, just let the best man win. I just think it's just going to kind of come down to talent. A foreman's making $2 million. Uh, that's about where some of these other running backs that we've talked about are making. Uh, Khalil Herbert has been good on limited carries. Uh, Deonta Foreman is bigger. He weighs 235 pounds. Khalil Herbert's 212 pounds. So what are they going to do at the goal line? Is it going to be that two for one drive rotation that we talked about? Or is this going to be, well, Khalil Herbert's uh, going to get subbed out because Deonta Foreman could run right through your face. Um, and then the Bears also could make another addition. They, I think they still need a pass passing back. Well, they got uh, Travis Homer and Travis Homer could be somebody, them, you know? Yeah, I... I I think that both of the, both Foreman and Khalil Herbert probably should be ranked fairly similar uh, in the RB 30s range. I don't see either one of them having a massive season just because going back to the inside the five guard line, Justin Fields, 10 carries Herbert last year had six Montgomery had three uh, because of some injuries. I think that's just going to be hard for them to take a bunch of touchdowns because we know Justin Fields didn't get his. Yeah, Foreman last year had games of 26 carries for 118 yards and three touchdowns, 31 carries for 130 yards, 24 carries for 113, 21 carries for 74, 21 carries for 165. Yeah. Um, I would be shocked if he has four or five games of 20-plus carries this season. Um, yeah. 
that's not to say I don't think he's a good player. I just think he and Cleo Herbert are like both of that similar level where like a 50-50 split makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And remember, the we would always talk about the narrative of like J.K. Dobbins in the Ravens offense. Like that's so good because Lamar takes so much attraction away. The problem is for fantasy, it's about the touches and the high value touches. And these rushing quarterbacks, while they do give you more yards per carry, the efficiency goes up because of how defenses have to defend that. They don't catch passes. And when they get the goal line, all of a sudden they're not getting 100% of those carries. So I always think that we overrate running backs attached to run first offenses because the actual touches we're looking for don't exist in those offenses. Let's jump to Mike Kosicki going to the New England Patriots, a one-year, $9 million deal. You know this, doing shows with me for, I don't know, like four or five seasons now. It's been that long. Uh, Mike Kosicki is always the player that like, weirds me out the most in the league yeah, like i never i never know what to, what to make of him like he can be wildly successful and productive and i still won't care or it won't register with me like let's lay it out let's throw up the highlights and i'll explain he's explosive in a straight line right he's explosive in his jumps but he is one of the most linear players in the entire nfl he's a vertical playmaker but he turns like a boat He's awful after the catch. And by that, I mean, he was 40th among tight ends and yak per reception in 2022 and 41st in 2021. And he's definitely not a tight end, you know, like he played more wide snaps than in line over the last two seasons, 358 to 166. And obviously way more in the slot than anything else. And as you can see here, like if you use him to his strengths, which is running in a straight line or jumping really high, like you have something, I just never know on a weekly basis if that something is going to be successful. Is all that fair to you? Um, I disagree a little bit on the turns like a boat thing. No, uh, he 100% turns like a boat. He can't, yeah. he, he, he is not like a change of direction, dude. Have you seen his mock draftable? Yeah, but that's a straight line burst. It's like 95th percentile three cone. When have you ever seen that pop well, up in, I would, on the field? It's not his role. Like you said, like the yards after the catch and stuff, he's not going to just like go kick out in the flats like some other tight ends will, like Evan Ingram, for example. He's going to go high point passes. I, I agree. That's where his strength is. I also, I do think that his strength kind of, kind of lines up with where Mac Jones wins, just talking about accuracy and just throwing the ball over the middle of the field where the arm strength isn't as big of a concern. And this is like, I hate to do it like Aaron Hernandez role. That's what they're dreaming about. And I actually think for that role, Mike Gesicki fits that role way more than Johnny. Johnny was like an H back to me. He's going to be lined up uh, as a second tight end, uh, like in the backfield at, at times. Mike Gesicki is like a true Aaron Hernandez. Just go put him out in the slot and see what happens. Him and Hunter Henry in fantasy, I think we're talking about the tight end 22, somewhere in that range. I'm going to be drafting these guys just because Mac Jones is so cheap and because I always punt the tight end position, I'm not super optimistic, but at the same time, we're talking about like $4 million with another $4 million in incentives. The Patriots did nothing uh, really with this contract. This is very cheap. I think it was probably worth the dice roll, even if all the limitations that you say are true, which they are. Bill O'Brien recruited him at Penn state. So there's a little familiarity there as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I understand what you're saying with the Aaron Hernandez role. Um, I just think like they're wildly different players. Um, to your point about the mock draftable chart, I think people always look at that. And he truly was based on composite scores, like the most athletic tight end we've ever seen since our dude, Zach Kuntz coming into the draft this year. 
but I never saw that three cone or short shuttle show up on the field. Oh, he runs and routes. Yeah. No. And again, his yak is awful. Like Hernandez was awesome in yards after the catch. And again, among qualified tight ends, which I think there are only about 45 or 50 when I put it down to 20% of, of the targets, 40th and 41st over the last years. I think he can stretch the seam. Mm-hmm. He can work down the field and be like a vertical player. But whenever you ask him to be like something more, he like can't fit. Yeah, he can't. this is what Belichick like dreams about though. Is like the mismatch. Like, oh, their their nickel corner is not very good. Now it's time to go to work for like like but at the same time. This is like a very different style of slot receiver, and like he's a slot receiver. Right. He's also cheaper than all of the receivers though. So if he's only going to be true. playing 40 percent of, of of the snaps. Like I, I do see why you take the risk, and he's not that old yet. And you're Mister Second Contract guy. Not in this what case. Well, you're mean, out on this. This is two narratives going back and forth for Josh. We know where he lies. Screw the second team narrative. It's uh, it's the anti Gusecki narrative. Wins. That I, that one wins out. That's probably the top of the list yeah. here. I think he's made my like fades and fantasy football drafts for like four straight seasons. Right. And one it of is, those years he was fantastic in terms of production. Right. It was obvious last year was not a scheme fit. I would say that he is a scheme fit here. I disagree. Uh, in terms of a full time player. Yeah. Samaj P. Ryan joins the Denver Broncos, which I would categorize as a stunner once it happened, because I think we all expected Samaj P. Ryan just to return to the Cincinnati Bengals, especially with the uncertainty that has been surrounding Joe Mixon for a bit, not just off the field, but even on the field. Um, now Samaj P. Ryan joined Sean Payton on a two-year $3.3 million contract. Yeah. Um, that's not very much money. I don't even know if that's right. No, that is right. It was not a lot of money, which was 7.5 up to that ceiling, I think it is. Yeah, the P. Ryan thing that was interesting about his contract was the Bengals gave him the same exact offer, and he chose to leave the Bengals, who obviously he's very comfortable with, uh, and that's a Super Bowl contending team, because Sean Payton sold sold him that he's actually going to get the ball in Denver for a couple reasons. One, we have what the general manager said today about Javante Williams. He said, uh, we won't know for a while if Javante is going to be ready for the season. They're already kind of walking back some of their comments. If you look at previous knee injuries, when you're talking about multiple ligaments, we're not talking about like two, we're talking about like three, possibly four ligaments for Javante. I think Samaj P. Ryan's going to go out there and start the season as like maybe not a full bell cow, but as close as we get that in fantasy land. If you're looking at all the Broncos moves, talking about tight ends and interior alignment, right tackles, the whole thing. This is an offense that looks like they're scared to throw the ball with Russell Wilson. And Sean Payton's history with fantasy running backs has been pretty promising. So Samaj P. Ryan, despite the low money, there's a lot of other factors that are pointing to me saying Samaj is going to get the ball a lot. And maybe uh, they're worried about Javante Williams injury more than they've let on. Maybe to the point where they even have to add another back in the draft. You know, this in the profile that we did of Jameer Gibbs, that'll be on the channel. Um, he's like the type of player that Sean Payton loves and like the style of back that he has to have on his team. Uh, It seems uncertain if Jameer Gibbs will get there to pick 67 or 68, but in the season, in the, in the draft that they traded up for Alvin Kamara, Sean Payton traded away a future second round pick to get Alvin Kamara in the third round of that year's draft. So I wonder if they move up for someone of that type and just say, Hey, whatever we get out of Javante Williams is like gravy. It's yeah. it's extra, you know, and this year it really might be the mindset of Samaj P. Ryan plus a more explosive rookie. And then we'll see what we get with Javante at the end of the season and beyond. 
if Samaje and Vontae Williams were going right next to each other in fantasy, do you think that would be appropriate? Yeah. I mean, multi-ligament knee injuries are so different than when people just read ACL. It's it's J.K. Dobbins last year. That's like the most perfect Correct. example. We talked about that going into the season. I was like, why are we keep drafting him? Like, And Javante's knee injury, I, I believe, is, is worse. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it, too. Javante was so good. So good. Let's go back to the New England Patriots because I forgot to mention that they added James Robinson to their roster. Um, this initially came out as like a pretty sizable contract. And now when I'm even scrolling down on... It's no signing bonus, no fully guaranteed money. On over the cap, it really is just a vet minimum contract with, again, no guaranteed money on top of it. A yeah. base salary this year of $1 million, a base salary next year of $1.1 million. Uh, just reading the details of this J-Rob contract, it seems like he's not even guaranteed a roster spot. Yeah. And that makes sense after watching him being traded from the Jaguars to the Jets when he had zero juice and got benched and was inactive to end the season. Yeah, if you scroll down and over the cap, you can see the Monopoly dollars column, and that's where all of his money is. So we'll see. Uh, I was looking to, I think they're hoping that he makes the roster, but it's no guarantee. Uh, Pierre Strong, he's a fourth rounder last year. To me, seems like a pretty dang good compliment to Ramondre. Ramondre, I think, can play some passing down, certainly uh, has a oh, power definitely. profile. And Pierre Strong is all the speed. Why not just do that? Like, to me, I, I, I would be drafting some Pierre Strong and fantasy land uh, just because I think that there's some upset as a, as a compliment to Ramondre. Uh, the one caveat there is James Robinson and Pierre strong are the same exact age, which was not great to me. Yeah. James Robinson, just 25. What a story he was obviously uh, during his first season. It just hasn't been the same since with all these injuries. And even last year, I thought like he was being productive and holding off Travis Etienne, And then it just, he hit a wall and he couldn't run anymore. Just simply could not yeah. run anymore. Remember what we were talking about in South versus Film? Like the first couple weeks were like, oh, yeah. okay. And then like the fourth week, it was like, oh, he's like, he's not an NFL player right now. It's sad. And Ramondre is still just running back 13. Like, I understand. I understand the offensive line concerns and questions, and maybe the Patriots sort that out. But the offense is going to be so much better this year. And he's dynamite. He's so dynamic and he's super effective in the passing game. And then as a runner, he's actually, it's actually shocking because, like, for his size of what, like 230, 240, close to it. He's not like a Deontay Foreman type runner, like a bruiser. He's super nimble and creates yards on his own. Um, I'm forever a huge fan of Ramondre Stevenson and think he could have a massive season if the stars align. Right now on Underdog Fantasy, by the way, half PPR, half PPR. There are 14 wide receivers going ahead of the running back seven. 14 wide receivers going ahead of the running back seven. At the 2-3 turn right now, you can get like Brees Hall, Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs. I'll put Ramondre Stevenson in that category. Ramondre is going 34th overall right now. The wide receiver thirst right now is out of control. And some of these running backs, I think, are going far too late, including Ramondre. Yeah, like depending on what room you're in and like the round three, four turn, like there's a potential if ADP stretch that you get Travis Etienne or Ramondre Stevenson like back to back there. Yeah, that's nuts. That's nuts. All right. Quick hitters. Then we'll get out of here. Uh, you told me to write down Colt starting quarterback Gardner Minshew question mark. Well, just because he got some money and I don't like. Is that I, their plan it, right now? Well, this is just one of those cases where Shane Steichen has just a little bit of experience with Gardner Minshew coming from Philadelphia. Right. And so it's a system thing, you know. 
Okay, but if Anthony Richardson, do you think he would get the the job like for the full time? That that's where I'm I'm kind of like just trying well, to figure. We out don't know who they exactly. like. It might be Will Levis. It might be right. Anthony Richardson. It all depends, and obviously who goes at one and yeah. who goes at two, and so on and so forth. But um, I don't know the. We've talked about this in the past. The Gardner Minshew train certainly had a few axles and wheels fall off it after like some time passed from his glory days of throwing to DJ Chark. The Brock Purdy train. As I, as no, I, um, I mean, come <laughs> on. Come on. But I wouldn't be shocked if we see Gardner Minshew start like the first three or four games. Yeah, I was basically at, like, I'm trying to this f- is figure out how the, I'm Mitch Trubisky, can he pick it? Yeah. I, I think that the difference between Kenny Pickett and like Anthony Richardson could be enough. I'm like, do they think Gardner Minshew is a bridge quarterback or purely a backup? Because I think that that would help you either draft or not draft Michael Pittman. Like, I don't want Michael Pittman with Anthony Richardson. I want I would draft Michael Pittman with uh, Gardner Minshew. Maybe this is a layman's take, but wouldn't we kind of like Anthony Richardson and Shane Steichen to? A hundred percent. I'm rooting for it. It's right. The Jalen Hurts setup, like let it progress. But for Correct. but and I'm not, not even drafting Michael Pittman up. though a passer that Jalen Hurts evolved into right. this season, but at least understanding the strengths of your quarterback where some of these Neanderthal old school head coaches and mm-hmm. offense coordinators might not really understand how to utilize that athleticism as a floor, mm-hmm. you know? And I think with Shane Sykin, Richardson's athleticism could be his floor. And then everything we get on top of that, we go from there. I don't know. I mean, I'm with you. Like Michael Pittman, with Matt Ryan wasn't good. Michael Pittman with Nick Foles wasn't good. Any anything, and then now we get Michael Pittman with Gardner Minshew and Michael Pittman with maybe Anthony Richardson's last Will Levis. It's tough. Not one. my favorite. <laughs> Not my favorite. Uh, finally, Jacoby Brissett goes to the Washington Commanders. Uh, this ends potentially the Sam Howell era, but really it comes down to these two are in the competition. Do you think the Commanders are? in the hunt to trade into that third spot with the Arizona Cardinals? Or do you think that they are totally cool with a Brissett Howell dynamic for 2023? I think they're totally cool because their defense is good. They have the skill guys. Jacoby Brissett's making $8 million, which is more than most. That's like kind of right on that, that tier of actually going to be starting games for us. I think this is like a true, Who's a better quarterback, Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett? And the reason why I think that is because Ron Rivera needs to win this year. Like they get, they better make the playoffs this year, or he's going to get fired. Especially if new ownership is coming in, they're going to believe in the defense. So I think that Jacoby or Jacoby Brissett's going to win this job because I think they're going to trust him. This is a coaching staff that's just going to be screaming, "Let's run the ball, let's not turn the ball over, let's win with our defense." And that's why I think that even Bijan Robinson at 16th overall makes a lot of sense here. Um, but I, I think that Brissett's can probably start most of the games this year just because he's exactly what like Ron Rivera is looking at for quarterbacks. Love that call of Bijan. You mentioned it with the general manager. I mentioned it with Ron Rivera and Marty Herney with their histories of paying contracts to D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart, drafting Christian McCaffrey, all mm-hmm. that. And, you know, they just invested more in right tackle and Andrew Wiley. They moved San Cosme into the interior guard spot. Like, it's going to be run the football a lot. And like Jacoby, yeah. let's even say objectively outplayed Deshaun Watson last season. Yep. You know, yep. I'm not saying that can be recreated this year. And there's obviously a, a new play caller in Washington versus um, uh, Scott Turner last year. And we'll see what they got. It's, it's a, it's unfortunately though, one of those scenarios where all three of Terry McLaurin, 
Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel cannot succeed. Yes. I will say this is the best quarterback Terry McLaurin's ever played with. I think Jacoby Brissett going into this year, I'm more optimistic with McLaurin than I have been uh, just because I think that Brissett's like an actual top 32 quarterback. Um, teams just don't go into the, the, their second season with these rookie quarterbacks that were drafted on day three. Like that's where right. the Sam Howell stuff never made too much sense. Uh, I guess maybe Brock Purdy is going to be the exception there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Washington is just going to run the ball. I'm going B. John Robinson with Brissett this year. That's my my take. Anything else I missed on that we need to hit on? Yes, this was technically a re-signing, but the numbers kind of spoke to me. Alexander Madison. Yep. This was a two-year, basically $7 million guaranteed contract, which is a lot more. We kept saying $2 million, $3 million with all these other running backs. He got $7 million guaranteed. Um, looking into the Dalvin Cook situation, basically this offseason, he had another shoulder surgery. When he had that surgery, it locked in a guaranteed $2 million. So what that means now for the Vikings, instead of releasing him and uh, only having $6 million in dead money, now it's $8 million. That Now they can still save $6 million if they do release him. But since that $2 million kicked in, it makes kind of the uh, cost-benefit uh, situation calculation a little bit tighter. I think that they're going to still cut Dalvin Cook, and then it's going to be Alexander Madison. Oh, yeah. And the Vikings only have five draft picks. They don't have a second-round draft pick. They're not going to be taking Bijan the first round, I don't think. So now it, there's a chance it's like Alexander Madison versus like a fourth-rounder. And at that point, I think Madison gets kind of interesting. So I just wanted to go over the Dalvin Cook situation. More money was guaranteed. That makes the Vikings cap situation worse, but not enough where they can't cut him. And the Alexander Madison contract was much bigger than all these other backs we talked about. Maybe the Vikings, just like you and I, believe that Alexander Madison's legit good and the haters continually say he's not. I mean, he is locked into this roster for 2023 and 2024 based on this. For sure. Of the $7 million, 6.35 are fully guaranteed. You don't mm -hmm. see that really no. for backup running backs that mm -hmm. now stick with the same team. If less, he's going to see a larger workload. Like right now, Alexander Madison is theoretically making the same amount as Jamal Williams and Samaj P. Ryan and making well more than Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Devin Singletary. And we keep going on and on and on. Rashad Penny, who we're excited about. Yeah. You know, like Madison is one of these guys that other than the first start, whenever he was given the opportunity, he produced. And I fully feel like the Vikings know that if Dalvin's on the roster or he misses time or he's cut completely, that Madison can be the dude. And then you go on with like, Ty Chandler being his compliment and like a big play threat. Yeah. And remember the Vikings GM is a Harvard tech nerd. He's not yeah, still be... waiting to see that, like put into motion a little bit. Right. Um, but those types usually aren't going to give the backup running back $7 million and keep the expensive running back. So, right. I think like there's there, something's going to happen with Dalvin cooks. Contract. This team could have easily signed like, let's say Damian Harris, right? Mm -hmm. And that was a one-year, $1.7 million contract. And instead, they're giving him basically $2 million or two years, $7 million guaranteed. That is, while not 11 or 14 or $17 million that we talk about, that is follow the money status for Alexander Madison. Yep. That's it. We did it. Hopefully, you all enjoyed this episode. Weaves has been crushing these prospect videos that we've been putting out. We've done a whole bunch on wide receivers. Three running back videos are going to come out here in the next three days, and we'll continue 
to go from there with another group of wide receiver prospects. After that, if you haven't checked them out on the channel, it's like 10 minutes on Zay Flowers and Jalen Hyatt and Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zach Charbonnet, Bijan Robinson, so on and so forth. Like, with highlights. Yeah, they are edited with us talking over where players win, showing you where they win, where they need to maybe improve or deficiencies in their game, and some comparisons along the way so you get a nice grasp of these players. Again, just little 10-minute packages. They're perfect. Yep, and if you still remember how to read, I wrote a mock draft, and I write up these players on underdognetwork.com. There we go. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the villa. We'll talk to you all soon. See ya. <laughs>